0: Hey, folks. I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You know, just because football season goes away after the fall every year, unfortunately, the Dunlap Champions Club does not, and we've told you this before, but it's a great event space that you should consider for your team, family, organization, whatever it is. Space, space, and more
1: space. Anything from 10 to 15 people, or I'm told... As many as 800
0: can be accommodated. Uh, they, they've got space. They do. They've got uh, – if you've been in the Dunlap Champions Club, you know we're talking about the fourth floor and the sixth floor, really, of the University Center Club. But the fourth floor is 20,000 square feet, floor-to-ceiling windows, overlooks Bobby Bowden Field. They can set it, you know, whatever you want, plated function, theater seating, cocktail reception. If you like uh, the terrace, the little outdoor – and and actually – this time of year yeah yeah i might not suggest it for late july early but, but august this time of year this time of year i think that's an option the same thing up there cocktail reception they'll set it however you want just consider it it's uh it, it really is a great space I've, I've been to several functions there i'd encourage you to do the same and don't forget it for football games we do have a couple of left we we do have those and uh and we'll come back around next year and have more of them 850-644-1830 for ticket information or you can call and schedule a private tour and now without further ado. It's the best kind of front row knolls. Keith is not with us. Actually, he is, but he's on the line, not in the studio. KJ, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a little chilly up here, guys. It's a little chilly. Keith Jones, is the biggest headline story in FSU athletics this week is men's basketball season tips off tonight, right? There's nothing else going on in the FSU landscape, Keith.
1: That is correct. That is correct. And it is going to be a very interesting 1920 season, I can assure you.
0: So the Knolls open at Pittsburgh tonight. Uh, Hold your thoughts on that for just a couple of minutes, Keith, because we do need to start with with the football conversation, obviously, and what's coming up later in the show. We've got a big show. You and I had a chance to visit with your coach, our coach. He's a man of the people. He's everybody's coach, right, Bobby Bowden. Uh, We did that on, well, earlier this week, and then there was a big quarterback club function last night, and a lot of people went out and wished him a happy birthday. And uh, I'll let you share what that, that meant to you because you've known him a long time and obviously you had a coach player relationship but it's a it's a good conversation that our listeners are going to enjoy
1: one of the things you'll find that i get asked all the time is how is coach doing and when you listen to the conversation that you and i were privileged to have you'll know exactly when i say he's as sharp as he's ever been he's as perceptive as he's ever been He's still a little bit opinionated. He has his thoughts, and he expresses them, and that's great. His faith continues to be uh, the most important thing in his life, uh, second only to family. He's got a big—he said—what did he he say? It it was a surprise, but it got out. But anyway, there's going to be a big family celebration on Friday, which is technically his actual birthday. And he'll share a little bit about his chocolate and what it was like uh, growing up and it was just a great, great conversation, and I, w- I was privileged to, to have it. I'm glad you were there with me, and uh, it'll go down as a, as one of the highlights, no question.
0: Yeah, it really is an enjoyable conversation, and, and listeners, I'll, I invite you to, to tune in for that. We'll we'll get it your way in, I don't know, the second, the second half of the show. Um, we scheduled that interview in advance because it was Bobby's 90th birthday this week. We did not know that Willie Taggart was going to be fired on Sunday, and lo and behold, there we are at Coach Bowden's house on Monday. So we do ask him about that situation, about what Florida State should be looking for in a coach and those sorts of things, which was a little awkward, as I pointed out, given the way Bobby exited. But but the irony, and I don't know if you picked on up on it right when you walked in, Keith, he was wearing a Florida State football sweatshirt when we walked in. Yep, yep. Yeah, I posted a picture and, on and social I media. Heard
1: him or not. I don't know if you heard him or not, but when I, I walked in ahead of you, he grabbed my hand and he said, you fine for the job?
0: <laughs> I did not hear that.
1: <laughs> I'm making that up. I'm making that well, up. That hopef- is an embellishment. That is an embellishment.
0: Okay. Well, and hopefully the list is not – we're not down – because I don't think you're You're not the B <laughs> list or the C no, list. You're like double down to me. We got issues. <laughs> it, it's like the Rose at the Civic Center. So you're like in double X or something, right? Woo. <laughs> So I've been processing this a little bit more since we first talked, because I think uh, even though most people probably are not surprised that it happened, I think most were a little surprised when it happened. And so it took me a little while to process it. I know we did a show on, on Monday night, Keith, but thinking it through, not so much the reason we we kind of went over that. Just thinking about who's next. And the internet blew up. Fortunately for you, you don't have the internet yet, so you missed all the stories that blew up about Bob Stoops. <laughs> but the more I thought about it, and I I have no idea, I you know, I know the door's still open from the Florida State side for Bob Stoops. They're going to pursue him. I have no idea if that'll come to fruition or not. He's the one name I can come up with who would be an absolute home run slam dunk, justify paying him six to eight million a year if that's what he wants. Because of the credibility And the stability that he would bring to the program immediately. And I can't come up with another name that would do it. Because Urban Meyer, you know, buses would be involved if that was going to be the hire. Les Miles, who nobody really is interested in, but I threw his name out because he has won a national title and you could get him cheaper. His offense was an issue at LSU. That's not going to excite people. I, Stoops is just the one. Save for Nick Saban or Dabo, deciding they wanted to come to FSU. I think Stoops is the one name that would be a slam dunk. Do you agree?
1: I do agree. If you go down that track, and, and to be fair, you know uh, Dave and, and John, A.D. Colburn and President Thrasher, you know they've got to make a decision, and they may have already made it. You know the the first thing they've got to decide is are they going after an established head coach with division one experience and do they factor in either having played for or won a national championship? That last part, I've not had a conversation with them. The other one, as you and I talked about, is do you go the route of finding a young up and coming someone, much like Florida did with urban Meyer at the time, much like they did with, um, uh the basketball coach just left it. billy, billy donovan. donovan right but you're taking a real big chance on that because that's someone without a proven record someone who you are betting on the future on the upside
0: but the, the Bill- i
1: think i think forgive me but i think the decision either it will be made or has been made to go the experience route and to go down that you you do limit you know some of your choices
0: well i, and I... Uh, I and think this is what he, it is. Yeah, I, so the Billy Donovan thing, yeah, Florida struck gold with a young up and coming coach, but it was it's a different conversation cuz Florida had not won basketball titles when they hired Billy. Agreed. They did Agreed. they did not have the they were not a national brand in basketball when he came in. FSU's a national brand. I don't think it's either or though. I mean, I think clearly they're going to start they want the most experienced, winningest, high-level head coach they can find. But after you get past Stoops' name, Now, where are you going? Because where I get concerned, and I know PJ Fleck, you know, he re-upped yesterday. His buyout for this year is ten mil. You know, now and and it ramps down. So Florida State's not getting PJ Fleck. They're not going to do that initial investment. But but honestly, as I started looking at some of these coaches, uh, particularly him, also Campbell at Iowa State, they're in Power Five. They've not been there long. They've not been at football schools per se. And when you look at their resume, you can see yes, the winds ticked up. But you look at their bowl history, and I think in the case of Fleck, he's been to four four bowls, and it's the Quick Lane Bowl and a bunch of bowls that FSU people don't want to be associated with. And then you drop out of the Power Five, and you talk about Norvell at Memphis, and he's been to two bowls, and they were the Bahamas bowls. And to me, I immediately – the conversation I'm having in my head is, and I said this Monday, I'm really – if that's where you get to, I'm on board with getting a high-level coordinator – from a big-time program like a Clemson or an Alabama or an Ohio State, somebody that's competing for national championships but is at the top of college football and has been around what FSU is like when it's going well, even though there's that risk that they haven't been a head coach, as opposed to getting a guy that's had some success as a head coach but hasn't really done it on the stage that Florida State is. And I may be selling those guys short. They may be the greatest coaches in the world. But I think, and, and I forget who it was, might have been the athletic, uh, might have been Andy Staples had a list yesterday of the current top 10 teams in college football and where their coaches came from in their previous job. And six or seven of them were coordinators, not head coaches, like like Dabo moved up as an assistant coach, like Kirby Smart. got Ed Orgeron was a defensive line coach. I mean, if you look at it, they're not uh, – you know, they haven't been – I just, to me, I guess the short way of saying what I'm saying is to me there's more risk in hiring a coach that's been at the Power 5 level for a couple years that's not at a big-time school.
1: Well, what I hear you saying, and, and this this will prove that you and I don't do a lot of uh, pre-show prep, but what I hear you saying is is a third track, and that third track being if we can't get head coach experience, we want coordinator experience at the Power 5 conference level. And, and, and that may end up the, the most ripe or have the most number of candidates. Because if you stay at the head coach power five, how many candidates are there?
0: Well, that's the question. I mean, there's 65 power five schools and, you know, you're going to shave 20 of them right off the list right away because they're they're not high enough level and you're going to shave another 10 off the top because you're not nick saban's not coming here Dabo's not coming here so you got the middle middle 30 and that that's where my question comes in it would depend on who it is i mean i can't see think of a good example uh you know i don't know i mean i'm making this up
1: would be i don't know that venables is the head coach candidate um but i mean he, he would have a name and a name program that would be an example
0: Yeah, well, I I was talking about head coaches there in that. But, yes, in in, in terms of coordinators, though, yes, I would vet the Clemson coordinators. Venables, I I like Venables' track record, and then he's done it longer at more places. So he's been exposed to more, whereas Elliott and Jeff Scott, really, they've just seen the Clemson way. So they don't necessarily know what happens or what other pitfalls or landmines might be out there. But that said, I mean, Tony Elliott's really impressive. The fact that Jeff Scott grew up here, I mean, I think that's that's kind of a pass thing that doesn't move the needle for me necessarily, but I think it's worth looking at those guys and other high level coordinators again at the, you know, we all know the top 10 programs that we're talking about or the top five or so that are competing. That's not where I start. I just don't know if if Bob Stoops is not the answer. I don't know who choice one B is or choice two. I don't know where you go there. I don't know if it's Matt Campbell at Iowa state. I don't know if it's a coordinator I don't know if it's a coach we're not thinking of. I mean, I'm just making this up, so don't, you know, this is pure throwing a name out. You know, is Tom Herman tired at Texas and wants to come here? Are we talking about that kind of guy? He's probably making too much money anyway. So I don't know where it goes because pretty quick you're down to Dave Clawson, and, and I think he's a great head coach at Wake. I don't know that he would work here, but he's been great everywhere he's been. He certainly wouldn't excite the fan base. Um, I just don't know where you go after Stoops.
1: Well, one last part of the equation, um, you know, Stoops fits the qua- the, the uh, whole, if you will, of you know, not currently working. Are there other Mac Browns um, that you should consider? Mark Rick, um, and I don't. I've not researched those names. I don't know if there are is someone out there that's looking to get back into the business. That would use your term. Push the needle enough to make it something you want to pursue.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about this with Bob Fronte or Osceola Insider next segment. But Jerry Kutz has a really good article and he worked for Seminole Boosters for years that dives into what the numbers are and and cutting to the quick, it more or less says that, you know, paying 18 million to Willie doesn't sound desirable until you realize they're losing at least eighteen million a year right now in ticket revenue and annual funds. So pretty simple math equation, you know, and Jerry would know because he's been there. That's the Cliff's notes on that.
1: Well, and to take it one step further, that's part of the conversation we had with Coach Bowden that talks about, you know, the numbers have gotten so big and, and it has become so important that you just can't run a program, you know, the way you used to. You used to give a coach four or five years, first year recruiting, he didn't get very much, second one is probably his best year, and then you wait two, maybe three years for those kids to become sophomores or juniors. And then you take a snapshot and measure where the coach is at. We don't have that luxury anymore. And, uh, you know, even even Coach Bowden alluded to that in our conversation, that it's a different
0: landscape. You know, the other name that just came up in my head, and this is another one that won't excite the fan base, but Mark Stoops. I liked Mark, and he did a good job here, and I think he's done a good job at Kentucky. I think his vanilla personality doesn't excite folks. And when he played – when he coached defense here – he followed Mickey, and he was the opposite of Mickey because he was play zone, keep everything in front, but he moved that defense from 110th to 70th to top 20 by the time he left, somewhere in those. Um, and he would get an offensive guy, and, and Kentucky is more interested in basketball than they are football. We all know that. So I don't think we can hold you know, going 500 in the SEC against him. I think he's done a really good job there. So that that name, I mean, I I would be interested. And the other thing Stoops has that maybe a P.J. Fleck and a Matt Campbell don't have, he's been at more big-time programs. I mean, he coached at Miami for a number of years. He's coached here. He's been around. He hasn't just been in the MAC and now had a couple winning seasons at Minnesota or Iowa State, that sort of thing. And, again, no disrespect to those guys. They may be the best thing ever someday. But that's just kind of where my mind is. things
1: because I've done a little research on Stoops because, like you, I got to know him a little bit when he was at Florida State. Now by no means are we best buddies. We haven't talked in three or four years. But I got to watch him and I got to talk to him. And I, I even did a little research, if anybody cares. His buyout is one point seven five million. He's making four point seven five right now. I listened to his press conference when he was asked about whether he was a candidate for jobs. And I will tell you, he's grown up from what you and I remember. You talk about the vanilla personality. He He's grown a little bit, if not a lot, in his mannerism and how he responds and, and how he presents himself. And and he was very, very articulate and very you know, insightful in how he responded to it. Not that he was a candidate for the Florida State job, but just how he approached when things came out. Uh, I, I think he's grown in that role I think he would be great if he if he was uh, had any interest in coming in and I agree with you.
0: he was I'm trying to I know he was at Miami he was at Miami in the early 2000s right he was the secondary coach when they had Ed Reed I believe so yeah 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 Yeah. so um again and I'll I'll talk about this with Bob I I, and and Jerry gets into this in his column Florida State folks are going to be in a wait-and-see mode I don't uh, Bob Stoops would be the one guy that people you know might not have to see they might they might move the needle first but anybody else uh you know bill belichick if he wants to come here people might buy tickets you know but but anybody else outside of stoops i don't i think it's going to be wait and see so you got to get the you got to get the wins and the product looking better on the field and i do think mark stoops could do that and would do that but there's a, there's other guys too keith we went um 15 minutes here we haven't even talked about basketball can you give us Two minutes on what you expect tonight from Pittsburgh here from uh, Leonard Hamilton's team opening. A tough opener, by the way, when you're playing on the road in, a, in an ACC where you're playing two extra conference games now starting this year.
1: Well, first of all, that's part of the story, 20 conference games versus 18, and the uh, league decided to have those uh, to be opening games and not give you, quote-unquote, a couple of uh, lesser-knowns to get started. Florida State came up here last year and uh, lost to Pittsburgh when they were ranked number 11 in the country. Uh, the Panthers have, uh, two great guards, young guards and Johnson and McGowan that combined for 46 in that loss last time, Florida States only won once in the Peterson center. But I think that will change tonight. I think, uh, with a healthy, um, Trent Forrest, I think that the, the, the big guy, um, that has come in from Ole Miss, um. We're working on the names. off and I are going to a pronunciation seminar about two, you know, uh, during, the, the, during the afternoon. Uh, Ole Nijek, a um, big <laughs> seven-footer out of Poland, is is very far advanced versus some of the other big guys. Uh, if MJ Walker can find a shot, if Devin Vassell gets uh, some additional time uh, on the court, uh, you know, they both can average in double figures. This is a team, I think, Tommy, that, that has a lot of upside that we're going to have to be patient with early. I think they can win tonight, but they may stumble and struggle just a little bit as they find their way because everybody's so young. Only one senior on the team in Trent Forrest, but I like their talent. They've got great talent. They seem to have great camaraderie. We know what Leonard is able to do once once uh, you know he gets into his rotation and particularly when he gets into January and February. So I like everything about this team. It may just be a little slower in the progress.
0: I agree. You didn't even mention Patrick Williams there, but yes, this does not look like it would be a non-conference season where you're 12 and one going into the ACC play or whatever. You know, you might be nine and four, but you're rounding into form with some of the, all the, the new parts and pieces. Keith, I'll let you go for now. Uh, maybe I'll get you involved later in the show. Maybe not. Depends on how long and and how meaty the conversation is with Bob and I in our next segment. Sounds good, Tommy. All right, call a good one tonight, Keith Jones on the road from Pittsburgh. And I guarantee you, he hasn't left the hotel because it's cold out there. And all he'll do is walk to the bus and walk from the bus to the arena, arena to bus, bus to plane, come back home. We'll take a break, uh come back and 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 get things uh cranked up. I will uh send a shout out to the folks at Madison Social and Centrale and Township and Soto for their longtime support of the program. We we do appreciate it. By the way, they're having a birthday party for Bobby on Friday. I think it's a cake from Soto, but I think it's actually at Madison Social, if uh, if memory serves. Anyway, we'll step aside and uh, get the uh, our Osceola Insider in studio right after this on Front Row Knowles. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. We have left Keith Jones in the frozen tundra of Pittsburgh. He'll call that basketball game tonight, coming up shortly with Gene Deckerhoff. But Bob Ferrante joins us now, our Osceola Insider. You can subscribe uh, for seven days, check out a free trial, or subscribe for six ninety five a month or seventy four ninety five annually. How are you, Bob? Doing well. No, no slate for the weary, huh? I was going to say, so much for kicking this into December. I mean, we're just going to start it early, and now we're not talking about BC at all. We're talking about who's the next coach. So... When does Bob Stoops arrive? Is that going to be tomorrow or the
3: next day? Or, Yeah, I, I think Bob Stoops, uh, maybe he's having lunch right now with David Coburn. <laughs> you heard our whole initial conversation. Um, I
0: want you to weigh in on on, on thoughts on this. But first, I, I do want you to just add anything that I missed on Jerry's column or Jerry's article that's in there. because And I just said this to you in the break. When you contemplate the why and why now on Willie Taggart, and then you have Jerry Kutz, who worked at Boosters for years, 19 years, and knows the numbers. When he says you're losing $18 million or more in ticket sales and annual fund contributions annually,
3: well, then it's pretty easy to swallow that you're going to have to buy out $18 million one time. Yeah. Why was this done right now? It's, it's about football. It's about finances and fans. And fans have spoken by either not coming, not coming as often, And, and the finances have been pretty, pretty rough. I mean, this is, this is a very difficult financial situation, even for a budget guy like David Coburn, and he's examined the numbers from every direction. And so, yeah, it it hurts. It hurts to pay $18 million over what will probably be the length of Willie Taggart's contract through, I think, January of 2024. This is not a one-time check of, of 18 million. Right. So the good thing is you can budget that across multiple fiscal years. But from Jerry's standpoint, looking at the numbers financially, you can recoup that very quickly in a bump of season ticket sales with potentially a guy like Bob Stoops, or maybe there's not a Bob Stoops, but maybe there's still an attractive candidate out there who just the enthusiasm for seeing that guy's team, that offense or that defense, plus the bump that you get with Florida and Clemson being an even numbered schedule next year, I think we'll see season tickets go up so you start to see revenue gains pretty quick. Let's just put the the book
0: in on this now. So the easiest way I've been able to put this in my mind and it's not perfect, but to your point that that coach Taggart will get paid out through the terms of his contract and so would any other coaches that aren't retained. For me to think about it, it's really what is it costing you to get a new coach and staff in place? And so if it's if it's a lower tier uh, less experienced hasn't been a head coach long type guy you know you're you're in the 3 to 4 million range for the coach plus his staff if it's bob stoops you're you're 6 plus his staff so but but regardless and these are these are and there's there's potentially buyouts involved there to get them but you're between 5 and 10 million a year Additional to what you're already committed for and what's already in your budget for the next few years. So, if you look at it that way, five and 10 million is a lot of money, but if you sell more tickets and people get excited, you can, you can get to that five or 10 million on an annual basis pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, and I think David will look at the numbers and he'll try to budget that out. I, I do think the buyout is a huge stumbling block on certain candidates. For example, Josh Hype at UCF is $10 million. I just don't see him as a valid candidate purely because right up front you have to budget in that 10 million. And maybe you'd make a deal to pay UCF, uh, say, $2 million for five years, whatever. Um, Mark Stoops, as KJ mentioned, it's a $1.75 million buyout. That's much more feasible and realistic. So I think Coburn's going to have to run the numbers once they zero in on who that guy is. I still kind of think they're kicking the tires on multiple candidates, talking to as many guys and their agents as possible. You know, a lot of these coaches who are active, they don't really want to talk too much because they're in the middle of the season. They might say to their agent, Hey, I'll listen if the right team calls. You tell me if the right team is calling. Who are some of the guys they're kicking the
0: tires on, you think?
3: I, I still think they're in play for Bob Stoops. You no, know, Regardless of what Bob Stoops has said, the door is not completely 100% shut. Um, whether you believe that's cracked open or wide open, we'll see. Um, I think Mark Stoops is a very attractive candidate. He doesn't have the name value, the the sexiness appeal of, of his brother, Bob but Mark being here... He might in 15 years if he was the next guy here. I mean, seriously, he hasn't had the keys
0: to what... Now, to be fair, when Bob took over at Oklahoma, it was a mess. Right. Uh, and he got him out of it. Go ahead.
3: No, and, and Mark has has won a national title at Miami as an assistant coach. If he can recruit Florida and Ohio, bring some kids from various backgrounds down to Tallahassee, in addition to how you're going to recruit in Georgia with a Florida State polo and hat on, you know, Mark is a really attractive candidate. I would have liked Josh Heupel you know if the buyout is zero if it's realistic he's a really fun offensive coordinator um i would have liked to see him i think there are some other good guys out there i know you guys talked about the coordinators at clemson all of them have their reasons to stay all of them have their reasons to be looking so it's kicking the tires on a lot of different guys it wouldn't surprise me if florida state is talking to maybe three or four right now and just kind of seeing who's really interested do you agree pj flex out now that he redid his deal i do think so although there is some scuttlebutt that pj doesn't like to sign those contracts and kind of kind of waits to see what might be coming down the pike a little bit so i i think that door is closing but again not shut do you agree with my sentiment though that
0: even though he's done a nice job at western michigan and now minnesota that he has not been in what florida state or football in the south is and and that would be a reason to have concern or
3: at least pause yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I think there are guys who you look at, okay, Bob Stoops is at the top tier, and then you go to the middle tier. You look at Mark Stoops' experience in the SEC, Miami, Florida State, et cetera. You look at, at Josh Heupel, De- granted not a power five, but an option at a very high level of college football. The Clemson coordinators are options. There are options. And Dave a- Clawson is, is not the best candidate in the world, but, man, look at what he's done at Wake Forest. I mean, all those three stars he's recruited – and he's consistently going to bowl games. I think this is the third straight year. Well, he's
0: done it. He's been at four programs, and I forget what they all are. Fordham, I think, is one of them. And every one of them, if you look at it, it's gone from one or two wins to nine or ten by the time he's left. And he's—I mean, he's done it four times. Yeah, I, I but think, but you would say that's what Willie Taggart's track
3: record was till he came here. It's really tough, and I was kind of looking at what do what have other ACC and SEC schools done. Historically, are they hiring guys with head coaching experience? Are they looking for the hot young coordinator type? So, just when you look at the current 14 in the ACC, 14 in the SEC, you've got 20 schools where they have had head coaches with experience. Now, I'm including a couple guys who have some interim length stints. Um, Matt Luke, for example, Ed Orgeron had a, a pretty long stint at USC right. when he took over. I think um, you know when, when Kiffin right. had, had been dismissed. So, if you count those guys, 20 of the 28 have head coaching experience now what Florida State does might be different my perspective is ACC and SEC presidents chancellors athletic directors boosters there's some wide consensus that we want experience at the head coaching level I'd have to
0: think just doing it in my head but one argument against that is Kirby Smart and Dabo Swinney are two of the biggest names out there and they were not head coaches previously so Manny Diaz would be on that list too
3: and obviously he's struggling. Uh, right now, and, and Pat what, Narduzzi has done well. But then you have a couple others like Jeremy Pruitt has struggled. Um, you know, I think Derek Mason at Vanderbilt, another tough school to really win out and compete right, in the SEC, right. but his record doesn't look good. So there is there is the exception to the rule, and the exceptions definitely are Dabo and Kirby. But for the large part, I think I think chancellors and presidents are leaning toward who's the guy who has the experience, who has the game plan, the track record has been a crisis manager cuz a lot of times when you're taking over as a head coach you are walking that, into a crisis. That's sort
0: of my point related to PJ Fleck or Matt Campbell or I mean the the crises are bigger at FSU than they are in Ames Iowa if you're talking football. And I mean I haven't spent time in Ames Iowa but I know it's bigger.
3: It's it's definitely colder, right? Yeah, it's definitely um, colder. So I I think Florida State is not a rebuild. I look at Florida State as a fixer upper, okay? It's a good job with good bones in a recruiting hotbed. But there are a lot of pieces that you have to go in and tear out this and tear out that. and, and
0: but, but messaging will be important because Taggart got himself in trouble, I think, with being so optimistic early on in retrospect. I, I would It's not a dumpster fire, which is how Paul Feinbaum classified it, which I don't know what his rant is or, or his issue with Florida State. But, I, you know, I might use the word rebuild coming in to just manage expectations and say, folks, this is where we are. We don't have a quarterback. We don't have an offensive line. And this is not going to be fixed by next Tuesday. But it's going to get fixed in three years. You come back and you're going to like the product.
3: I think part of the problem was Willie Taggart came in and set the expectations way too high. It was lethal simplicity. That's my point. That's my point. And him saying, I I don't know if he said this to a lot of people, but in one interview that we had with him, he said, I want to win multiple national championships in five years. And when you set the bar so extraordinarily high, it makes it very difficult. I think the next coach has to come in and be extremely realistic and say, look, we need to find a quarterback. We need to use a transfer portal. The offensive line is really hurting we need to patch up who's where's the pass rush i mean legitimately is josh Kendo for sure going to be back as a senior game one healthy 2020 we don't know so there's just so many questions in addition to linebacker um this is this is one where i think a coach has to be realistic to the fan base and say look we're in it for the long haul be in it for the long haul with me what about gus malzahn
0: that name's been thrown out there i mean he's on the hot seat every year at auburn he'd basically move two and a
3: half hours south <laughs> fun offenses to watch I think I, I don't feel like he's a great candidate but if he if he feels like his time is up at Auburn and it's time to hit the reset button he's a guy you at least talk to I'm not in love
0: with him as a candidate either um, I might actually prefer Mark Stoops over Malzahn which most might go the other way and I think that's more a offense sells tickets defense
3: wins championships conversation but I think Florida it has a history of hiring offensive coaches right but on the opposite side what if you go Mark Stoops and try to keep Kendall Bryles in some capacity with a long-term contract extension and and perhaps those two together can complement each other better than you know what we saw in the last year in a we're wrapping up in our final minute here is there any chance so so quick answers any chance that Bryles is a candidate or he's too green right now? I don't think he's a candidate right now, but I think I think what they would like to do is figure out a way to keep him. Right. I think it really depends on are you hiring an offensive minded head coach or a defensive minded. But a guy like Mark Stoops would probably say, Oh yeah, let's keep Kendall, let's figure out how to how to blend our two theories and make this work.
0: And my cheapest solution, not that you want to start with a cheap solution that nobody would be excited about, but the product on the field would probably turn around. Jim Levitt's on staff and one at a high level at USF for 12 years i mean you can save a lot of buyouts every buyout other than Harlan's,
3: if that's the move you went and you left your offense alone when you said cheapest solution i thought you were going to say odell Hagen's because he would well, be cheap and it would be interesting if he paired them up with let's right say coordinators. The, the cheap's not a good word in this yeah. context let's say the
0: the least expensive or right. a less expensive option no I'm, nobody would want that but he
3: did win now i
0: know that there's off-field stuff that would come back up with levitt probably if that was the way they went
3: That one might be a challenging sell, I think, to the fan base, especially with a lot of boosters in the Tampa area who are kind of near to what happened down there. I think it's been about 10 years, but still that's something that travels with your resume, and that's tough. You can have him as an assistant coach or as an analyst, but are you comfortable with that as a head coach? Yeah, and I don't think that's where FSU is headed
0: anyway. That's just something I threw out. Bob, we're out of time this segment. Appreciate what you guys are doing on the Osceola. Take care. He is our Osceola insider. Again, subscribe online. You can find it at the $74.95 annually. We'll take a break. The conversation with head coach Bobby Bowden coming up next on Front Row Knowles. Oh,
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, KJ in Pittsburgh. If you're just tuning in, the Seminoles open the hoop season tonight. He joined us in our first segment. But he and I also had a chance to visit with Coach Bowden earlier this week. Bobby turns 90 on Friday. There was a big birthday celebration at the quarterback club last night. But this is a – its a, anytime you talk to Bobby, it's going to be a walk down memory lane. But, folks, this guy is turning 90 on Friday And what Keith said at the top of the show is true. He was incredibly sharp. I thought he was more sharp this time around than maybe two years ago, which I think was the last time I sat down with him. And uh, this is a little bit about life, his life. But uh, also, and it was just completely coincidental, we were going to do this interview anyway, we did ask him about the situation with Coach Taggart and the next coach, given that uh, we were at his house less than 24 hours after that news broke. So sit back, listen in, Keith and I with head coach Bobby Bowden.
1: Privileged to be with Coach Bobby Bowden and uh coach, I guess we're a couple of three days early from the ninetieth, so happy birthday. Happy birthday. But I, I have just a general question. what was your best birthday? I know everyone you got now is good. Yeah. But what was your best birthday? I mean people remember when they got a pony when they were little or a BB gun or a, a bow and arrow. What what was your best birthday?
4: Well, you know, Ann used to make me a chocolate pie any time I had a birthday. And then before that my mother would make one. You know what? Now those are the kind of the best days I can remember, and and nobody could make chocolate pie like my grandmama. I mean, when I was when I was thirteen years old age, I had rheumatic fever and had to go to bed. So grandmama cooked me a chocolate pie. That was the best dadgum gum pie I ever tasted, and I've th- th- those are my favorite days.
1: My daddy used to tell the story. My oldest Amber, who uh, is let's see, eighty-two, nine was Almost 40 now. My daughter's 40. Her birthday, she was born on my dad's birthday. And ever since that, that became daddy's favorite thing. We lost dad about 15 years ago, but that was his best birthday present when Amber was born on his birthday.
4: That is something.
1: (laughs) So,
0: when did you stop counting the birthdays?
4: Well, I've, uh, you know, it's funny. I'll be 90. Friday, uh, I mean, uh, it just slips up on you. You know, it slips up on you. Life passes by. But you know the good thing about it? I heard Billy Graham say this one time when he became 90-something. You can look back and see exactly how God put your life together. You know, it, as it's happening, you don't know what's happening. But you look back and say, oh, i moved here, and then he moved me here, 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 you know. And uh, that that that's kind of fun, looking back.
1: How, I'm I'm going to ask, when I get up there, I want to ask the question, how come you couldn't reveal that a little earlier? How come it always had to be in arrears and we look back? <laughs> Why couldn't you let me know some of this ahead of time?
4: <laughs> Same reason I, I, I didn't know, boy. Oh, gosh.
0: How active are you now in terms of getting out and on the road and still making speeches and delivering your message?
4: Well, I'm still speaking uh, some but not as much as I did. You know, it's funny. Back when uh, Joe Paterno, when the NCAA took 100 games away from him, then I became the, the uh, number one winningest coach. I got more calls to talk, and you can throw it. You can't believe it. Now, then they give him his 100 back, and he moves ahead. I don't get none anymore. <laughs> hey, you'd be surprised what second place means, boy. Not like first place. What's what's a, a
0: typical week like for you?
4: Well, uh, you know, until I hurt my hip, uh, I was pretty active. Uh, I would play golf every Saturday morning. And then if I was in town and didn't have to go anywhere and didn't have a speaking engagement, I'd always go out and hit balls because I live within the golf course, you know. And, and I really did it for exercise uh, because I don't like to walk. I don't like to run. I don't do anything like that. Yeah. So uh, I'd go out and play golf, as, or hit balls. That'd be my only exercise I'd get. Well, now that I got my hip little problem, I can't, can't hit. I can't hit golf balls anymore. I ain't hit. A, I ain't played golf in about a month and a half. You know, and, and uh, don't know wh- when or if I'll play anymore. But uh, till I get my hip squared away.
0: Well, now you have an excuse for not hitting them straight, right? You're just not hitting them at all, Coach. Do you have a big celebration on Friday? Is it going to be big,
1: big? Lots of folks, or going to be low key? Well,
4: let me tell you, it's funny. I, I was, I had it all planned to go to Birmingham on November the eighth. I was going to Sanford University, my alma mater, at their homecoming. They had asked me to speak up there. Oh, okay, I'm going, boy. You know, and I had because I hadn't been up there for game, you know, since I left, and uh, and so. Then I found out about three days ago, they got a surprise birthday party for me, my children. They got, well, I can't be in Birmingham and them having me a birthday party, so I had to cancel a Birmingham trip. So uh, not all of our children will be here. Uh, You know, Terry is coaching up up at Clemson. I say coaching, he's helping. And then uh, Jeffrey is up in North Alabama. He won't be able to make it. And, uh, but I think Ginger and Robin and Steve will all be over. Ann will be here, and we'll have, we'll have, we'll have a nice supper.
1: That, that renegade Tommy will probably be doing something on TV on that Saturday, won't
4: he? Yeah, that sounds like Tommy. I, and by the way, I, he might come over. He might come over. I'm not sure. Last I heard, he wasn't going to be able to make it.
0: How much football do you watch nowadays?
4: Boy, oh, all the time. That, that's a big thing, Tom. When, when you're the head football coach, you can't watch it. I mean, you, you you practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, play the game Saturday, grade the film, show it to the boys Sunday, and then it's time to start on the next opponent. You can't look around the country. And you can read the paper, you know, and stuff like that. But now that I have retired, I watch it all the time. Every time a game comes on, I'm sitting there watching. Saturday, from 12 to 12. Don't call. <laughs> don't call. I'll be watching games.
0: Can you watch it as a fan, or do you watch it with a coach's mentality? And you're thinking, "Boy, I wish I had thought of that when I was coaching."
4: I make myself think of it as a fan. I refuse to get under the pressure of a coach again. You know what? When you're coaching, I coached 57 years. You don't realize the you don't realize the pressure you are under. It's just what you've always done. You know what? But I remember when I when I left Florida State, all of a sudden, not to have a Coaching job fifty seven years, all, all of a sudden I said, "Gosh, I don't have to worry about the, the guy. I don't have to worry about one hundred twenty five guys anymore. I, I don't have to worry about where they're going to class. I don't have to worry about are they getting in trouble. I don't have to worry are they keeping their weight down, and all the things that. And, and I got and I, I've just felt relieved. You could feel the weight come off of your shoulders. You know it. And, and most coaches are under that strain and they don't realize it. You know until they get out of it."
0: We can relate to not watching other games because we're with FSU all day Saturday, and we see two minutes here and two minutes there, but don't, don't really get to see a full game.
1: All right, well, fess up now. Who's, who's your favorite team that you're not even affiliated with that you've started paying attention to in the last year or two?
4: Well, I've always been Alabama, you know. When I finished high school, I went to the University of Alabama. But uh, Ann and I decided to get married, and back in those days, if you were married, you couldn't have a scholarship. Now, that was pretty true all over the na- nation. I know it's true all over in the South. But I think probably the nation, if you got married, you couldn't have a scholarship. So Anna and I got married, so I left Alabama and transferred up to Howard College, which is now Sanford University, you know. and uh, But uh, my, I was always such a big Alabama fan, you know. But, you know, I've got a team that I really like now is LSU. I'm just impressed. I'm impressed with their team and that quarterback. I love that quarterback they got. I still think Alabama... Uh, and Clemson may be the best two in the country. I say Clemson because they're they're the, uh, the, the the champion from last year. Until somebody beats them, I'm going to go and stay with them. You know, but you know one of the one of the best teams I've seen this year material wise. I don't know if anybody's got better material. Ohio State, they look like they can take a, every boy at every position and make your ball club. You know what? They look good. It's gonna it's, it's gonna come down to a great four.
0: That's where I was headed next. You talk about a four. That's the playoff. Do you ever look back and regret that there wasn't a playoff during your days? Because we know the number would be higher than two in terms of national championships.
4: You know, isn't it amazing? You look back and you spent, uh, uh you actually spent them in a minute, uh, fourteen years in the top four if you consider the coaches' poll. I think Associated Press we were thirteen in a row and. And then fourteen. Then the next year we were either, we were fifth, but but with the coaches' poll we were fourth again, and so it, it, yeah, it, it would have, it would have been interesting. We could, we might have really won a lot of championships. Because you know, Tom, we all you you remember watching us? We were always pretty good in November. See, see we lose our, we lost one year. We lost the first game, won the rest. Next year we lost two games, won the rest, and so we were kind of we played pretty good in November.
1: One of the things I tell Coach, you and I have talked about this, um, the Miami, which is always stuck in your crawl. The, the, yeah. the, at least I played Miami on the wow. tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in 80, in 80, my senior year, if we beat Miami, if we get that two-point conversion, we're playing we're playing Georgia
4: we're playing
1: that in a Sugar Bowl. Yeah. And and if we'd have beaten Oklahoma, you yeah. talk about the AP poll and the coaches poll in that time, yeah. even if we'd beaten Oklahoma with that one yeah. loss, yeah. It would have been a split championship because we were number two. Oklahoma was four. Yeah. Georgia was playing Notre Dame, who was ten or eleven. Yeah. Uh, it started a long time ago. I, I really don't like Miami.
4: <laughs> Boy, they've been—they were really a nemesis on us. I've, I've, I've noticed through the years there are some teams that have your number. I don't care if you are Florida. I don't care if you're Georgia. I don't care if you're Alabama, or if you care if you're Florida State. There's somebody on your schedule that has your number, and uh, that was Miami. You know, we had great ball games. I mean, some of the best games I was ever involved in was against the University of Miami, and a lot of them were wide rights and wide lefts. You know, and uh, but I, I look, I look back at Virginia Tech. We always had their number. I think we played them nine or ten times, and didn't only. I think we only lost one time. South Carolina. We played them 10 times. I think we beat them nine. You know what I mean? It just kind of had their number. Even sometimes they'd be better than us. We'd beat them. And the uh, same way with Miami, with us. They'd, they'd find a way to beat us. Now,
1: Tom, you're going to have to fuss at him like you fuss at me about always going way back because I, I played against Virginia Tech and yeah. beat them. I played against South Carolina and beat them. Well, so right. you call him the names you're calling me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I think I'll take a pass on that. <laughs> Talking about Miami, Bobby, we we didn't reach out to you to try and uh, come talk to you with any foresight of what was going to happen with Coach Taggart. Yeah. I mean, this was purely about your 90th birthday this week. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but you survived Miami and all those wide rights. And, yeah. and, and it started early in your career that you got success. I mean, even when you got here, yeah. which predates me a little bit, but I mean, it was clear that you knew you had to beat your rivals. Yeah, yeah. And, and without dissecting too much, I mean, th- that may be the one thing that, that finally did Coach Taggart in.
4: yeah. Well, you know, when when, when uh, I was coaching and I think I heard Mick Andrews say this the other night and I thought the same thing. If you could beat Miami and Florida, you got a great chance to winning a national championship. I remember one year where Florida State, Florida and Miami w maybe one, two, three in a dead nation. You know, it was a great series. And uh we won we 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 did we little, did a little better against Florida than we did in Miami not a lot. But Miami uh, uh, had one more games than we did while we were playing,
1: Coach. Along that same lines, a philosophical question with with the money the way it is, and with the pressure the way it is, you know, the book said you were going to get you you come in you're going to get five years to build your program. Now we're down to two years. Are we Are we reaching a breaking point? Is it getting too big? Do we need to? Maybe reevaluate some things in the in the national spotlight.
4: Well, you know, from a coaching standpoint, I know it is. Cause like you, I know when I first started coaching, that's been fifty nine years ago. When I first started coaching, you got five years. You would not sign a contract unless it was for five. I mean, was, why five? Well, first year you're gonna go in there late. And you're not gonna be able to recruit, so you, that don't count. Next year, you should have your best recruiting year, you know. Then by the time you're here, you should have a great ball club. If you don't, we've got to get somebody else, you know. That's not true anymore. I mean, here's a good example here at Florida State, a year and a half, a year and a half, you know. And uh, so it has changed. It's not not that just way just here at Florida State. It's kind of all over the dead gum country. But I, and, and you go back and you say, why, why, why? Well, look at all the money the coaches are paying. They're supposed to win. You know what? If they don't, we've got to get somebody else. Or look at the uh, the money that schools are making in bowl games and championships and things like that. And so there's so much money involved. I'm sure that, that's that's behind the whole thing. The thing that surprised me about Florida State uh, letting Taggart uh, uh, go this year, I, I was wondering where they got the money. It's going to cost a lot of money, you know. <laughs> Guy that might be rubbing his hands might be tigered,
1: (laughs) coach. I remember. uh, Well, changing gears. The the whole issue of uh, name, likeness, and image. I remember when I got married, you talk about you ran off and got married. I got married my junior year in college. If you'll remember, I had to come get your your permission uh, right. yeah, it, it, written in the contract. And um, this is probably an NCAA violation, Tommy, but my, uh, my father-in-law at the time, Archie, Archie and Jackie, yeah. that you know well, uh, got me a car. He worked at Tallahassee Motors. Yeah. It was your car. It was one of the Thunderbirds you'd been driving, uh, turned it in. Okay. I remember getting back. And I had a couple of my teammates that weren't real happy with me that I had gotten that favor, and I got to drive Coach Bowden's car. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when you start putting big dollars on that situation where some players are getting endorsement deals and some are there. What are, you, what are your thoughts on all that?
4: I think that is a big mistake. I could be wrong. Now, right, just the first question. Do the boys deserve to get paid? Yes. Can you afford to pay the boys? No. Why? We got 18 sports here. I mean, the tennis coach is going to demand that too. And the girls' basketball and the girls' track and the boys' this and that. We're, now, to begin with, there's probably 10 or 20 teams that can afford it. But the rest of the coaches, the rest of the teams can't afford it. You know what? And not only that, again, you got all these other sports and if you do it for football you have got to do it for basketball baseball track and these other sports you know and i don't know where they're going to get to that money for that you know what? and of course then i don't like this oh my goodness i can't believe, how are you gonna how are you gonna keep morale up here's a boy right here that plays guard he's a, he's a, one of the best players they got you know uh doesn't get his name in the paper like Lyman, offensive lineman don't but he's a, one of their best football players then right behind him there is a quarterback that's getting all kind of uh chances to 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 make commercials you know what? and is making all kind of money and how and it, this young man's got to feel gotta have feel resentment against that you know what and then i don't know how they can control it i don't know how they could control it in other words here comes a young man, and some some coach at college says, "Son, if you'll come with us, I guarantee you, I can get you a deal where you'll make this much money. Uh, uh, you'll get this much money for commercials and things on your ability. And then, then, and then, the opponent finds out. And says, hold it, uh, uh-uh. uh I'll get you this much money. You know, I just, I, you know, if, if everybody, if nobody ever cheated, you'd be okay. But there's some guys out there that that thrive on that kind of business.
0: The devil's in the details, right, KJ? Yep. <laughs> let's, we could talk for a long time, Bobby, but, but let's wrap up on this. And and obviously you had great success at FSU and uh, we, we know the way it ended. So I had I pause to, to ask you this, but as Florida state's in a coaching search, what, what are the ingredients that FSU should look for in its next coach?
4: Well, to me, they, uh, they, they, they there's, there's two things. You can get an outstanding assistant, or you can find a successful head coach. Now, here's the thing about assistant coach. He might be a good head coach. He might not be. I've seen great assistant coaches that became head coaches but couldn't handle that part. You know what? And as long as they were assistants, they did a great job. But being a head coach can't handle it. We've seen that. You know what? And uh, but so anyway, that's just, if you hire an assistant, you're taking a chance. All right, hire a head head coach, a guy that had, has head coaching experience and has won, and has won consistently. Uh, uh, you got to to me, you got a better chance with him. Now they're harder to get because they've probably already got a pretty good contract and they can demand from you more. You know what? But it, it it that's what it gets down to.
0: Does it need to be someone who's been a head coach at a high level, like a Power Five school, because of the extra pressure and every hoopla that goes with a job like Florida State?
4: It would for me. <laughs> it would for me. I mean, I don't. I look for somebody like that, you know. And, and uh, but I, I'd like to have somebody that beat Alabama. When I'd like to have somebody that beat uh, uh, Notre Dame, you know, uh, or instead of somebody that's never been under that kind of a fire and I'd like to I'd like for somebody who's turned 1 2 maybe 3 programs around that's a good sign you know it those are the signs we got to look for to get the right guy in there then then a key I got to get somebody that wants to come to Florida state that's always big you know it
1: Keith parting thoughts other than to just say happy birthday, uh, you know, when we when we look back at the lives that you've touched and the kids that have come through the program and the people that uh, even outside of football that you've had an influence on, uh, we just wish you a wonderful 90th birthday. I'm not going to tell you to have 90 more, but I hope we just keep on counting.
0: <laughs> happy birthday, Coach.
4: Hey, thank you very much, Tom. And I appreciate you all coming by, but I'm looking forward to my birthday. You know, I never thought about reaching 90. Doesn't bother me one way or the other, and uh, I just kind of live from day to day. But I'm thankful to the good Lord for letting me live and keeping my family healthy. And those are the things that are important, as you two know. You know, as we go through life.
0: The one and only Bobby Bowden. We'll have more front row knolls after this.
2: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Also, a shout-out to Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, Go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. You can find them at uh, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway or call them at 580-1200. Keith Jones joined us earlier in the show via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Keith's about to call the Pittsburgh game with uh, gene deckerhoff i'll wrap things up a little bit atypical how we do this show but you guys have been listening for a while so you know once we get to basketball season there'll be a handful of uh, wednesdays one or two a month probably through march where kj's on the road uh, parts uh, around the acc and then we get into march parts all over the country but i'm excited about hoop season i called the women's game last night and just the, the the quick Cliff's notes on Sue's team is that she returns all five starters, and she added a top twenty recruiting class that includes two McDonald's All-Americans, and those girls can play. Now it was a, a team that you know they handled easily last night, Charleston Southern. But but there's a lot of upside to that women's team too. So basketball season should be pretty good. As for what happens with the football coaching search, I'm like everybody else. We'll we'll sit here and figure it out. We'll chase down some stories. We'll see where we land. Uh, You do have to appreciate that the athletics director and the president uh, weren't shy to make a decision. They made it quick. They made it with conviction. You may not like it, but Florida State's moving forward, and that's where we are on that front. And we'll play football against B.C. in the frozen tundra of Chestnut Hill at 12 noon on Saturday, where I think it's going to be 20-something degrees. And hopefully Florida State responds and plays well for Odell Higgins. That's that's really become a back story. Nobody's focused on whether they get bowl eligible or not. But I'll be there this weekend, and we'll have a Front Row Noles first look as soon as that game uh, finishes up. Until then, for Bob Ferrante, Keith Jones, Tom Block saying so long. We'll see you next time on Front Row Noles.